Brandon Steiner, and this is Unplugged with Brandon Steiner. Hello, it's Brandon Steiner. This pod is just taking so many twists and turns. I hope you're enjoying it, but I've got, I think, well, certainly one of the most energized guests I've had and love talking to, John Gordon, and his books are a must. The Energy Bus, You Win in the Locker Room First. Is I, I can't believe how many of these books I've given out to so many coaches and um, I just, any high school, college coach, if you're coaching Little League, you got to go buy that book. It's just a no-brainer. But to me, if you're in a company uh, and you don't, you haven't taken the energy bus into your company and had everybody read it to understand the importance of energy, uh, you'd be cheating your company and cheating yourself. John Gordon, welcome. How are you, my friend? Good to be with you, my friend. How you doing, Brennan? I'm doing well. I, we were just talking initially about, you know, just coming from the round table. Harvey McKay, my guru, my my mentor, um, we had a reunion, and right. we heard Brendan Bouchard talk, and he, you know he did this. Uh, he's come out with his new book, so he did a talk. This is the second time he spoke to us. And there's only thirty of us. I mean, he's got this guy who gets like fifty grand a speak, and he's talking to like twenty five of us. But he did this uh, talk about extraordinary people, and he did this study with thousands and thousands of people to decide what the characteristics were of extraordinary people. Uh, it was fascinating, uh, different, unusual. He's a character. I like that. What's what's one of the top ones that he said that you uh, you heard about in terms of characteristics? You know, the one thing that hit home with me is that is that um, highly extraordinary people. First of all, they have no problem with. You know, I guess sometimes you want to. How does that person do everything? Extraordinary people have no problem with all the things that are put on their plate. Where they have a problem is is when they can't get clarity. They, they force and do anything are relentless towards getting clarity to the issues, what they're trying to deal with, and their level of curiosity is through the roof. High, high level of curiosity, high, high level of energy, which is a good lead into you. High level of energy. One of the main proponents that extraordinary people have is high levels of energy and high levels of curiosity. I love that. love that. Well, you know, I wrote training camp with the best do better than everyone else, 2000 and nine and and that really goes to the fact that the best know what they want they have a a really clear vision of what they want to achieve and where they want to go so you have to know what you want because if you don't know you won't work with everything you've got to become it i love that i think it's also uh confidence you know such a big uh characteristic you have to be confident because you're going to hit bumps on the road and you got to have the confidence to fight through that very much so. Grit. You know, I just wrote this new book, The Power of Positive Leadership, and and one of the pieces of the framework of this book is positive leaders have grit. And so when they get an obstacle, when they face a setback, when they have adversity, they find a way to navigate the obstacle. They move around it, or sometimes they move through it in order to get to where they need to go with their team. Love that. I'll give you one little nugget from the talk that I love. If you have a big dream, you can't just rely on your strengths. Extraordinary people know that they're going to need other people's strengths around them to succeed what they want to do. And they're not afraid to go pull in outside strengths to get them to accomplish what they want. That's good. I like that one a lot. That's great. Yeah, no, how true no, is that? How many, people have we, how many times have we seen really special people that just can't get out of their own way because they don't want to delegate or get other people involved? Right, exactly. And no one creates success alone, right? We all need a team to be successful. I often say that, yeah. you know, I lead a team at work. I'm second in command of my team at home, but I know about teamwork. The thing, the thing about you is, like, 
And I know this energy bus everywhere I go. I mean, it's, it's like a must read. So many CEOs and VPs bring that book into the marketplace. But before I get to that book, I just got to ask you about, you know, you went in the locker room because there's a lot of sports fans. What was that book like? Like, who'd you write that book for? Uh, why'd you write that book? I wrote that book for leaders and for coaches and for anyone who's part of a team. Mike Smith was the Atlanta Falcons coach. He was fired a few years ago after two bad seasons, but those first five seasons, no one won more games than him in the NFL except Bill Belichick. So he was a he was a really successful coach, a winning coach. But then two bad years, he was fired. So after that season, he reached out to me because I had worked with him for seven years, speaking to his teams every year, consulting with him when he took the job. And, you know, he used the energy bus with his teams. He used training camp one year. He used. So, John, you go in the locker room and you're actually, or are you doing little subsets of that? Or are you actually right in the locker room talking to these these guys? I'm, oh, I'm right in the locker room talking to the, the players. Every, every training camp, I mean, Matt Ryan was in the front row right to the left every year, like ever since his rookie season. So I've been speaking since his rookie season. Humble, hungry, always trying to get better. Every offseason working on one skill set to improve. So you're like a big Matt the, Ryan fan. Yeah, big Matt Ryan. Because I saw how humble he was, how hungry he was. And even when he got that $100 million paycheck, he was still about getting better. It was never about the money. It was about being the best he can be. And he's a great teammate, a great leader. So, you know, that experience working with those teams. And I started working with all these other teams, um, you know, working with the Dodgers and the Padres and the Miami Heat, Oklahoma City Thunder. I've spoken to all those teams. So the coaches will bring me in and speak to them, those teams. And Mike would share his perspective of these seven C's to build a winning team because every year we would meet and we would talk about these C's and they evolved. Finally, we came up with seven and we said, okay, let's, let's write a book after he lost his job on these seven C's. But he also shares what went wrong when he was the coach of those two bad seasons. So it's really great because you get a really fresh perspective of a coach and the mistakes he made. So what he did right what he did wrong. Give me an example then, of a couple wrong things. Everybody wants to know what happened went wrong because we're all, I mean, I don't know, we're all screwing up every day at some level, but it, yeah, it's getting through the screw-ups. What, what did he do wrong that, that he kind of picked up on? Well, one thing is he, st he stopped focusing on the culture and the process. So those first five years, he was you know, having all the success, and that fifth season they made it to the NFC Championship game, one play away from going to the Super Bowl. After that, the organization, the ownership – and him included became obsessed with just getting back to the Super Bowl. Like, hey, let's get back to a point where we can play in a Super Bowl. It was no longer about the process, the relationships, and everything else. So he became very outcome-focused. He also didn't fight for his culture towards the end when there were leaks coming out about that he might lose his job. He really didn't fight for his culture and didn't go, say, to the, to the you know, upper management, hey, what's going on? There's never been a leak in seven years that he was there, and all of a sudden there was a leak. So there were several things that he did wrong in that way. Again, he talked about how, uh, you know, the relationships that he was always so focused on wasn't a huge priority that last year. And then also he and the GM, which he talked about in the book, you know, weren't as connected as they have been in past years. And I've been with other coaches and GMs in their office who read this book, and I can't share who they are, but they yep. looked at each other and said, you know what, we got to stay connected. Like, we really got to stay connected. So, Again, this book and the mistakes that he made was very refreshing and helpful to a lot of other leaders and organizations to say, hey, let's not make those same mistakes. Let's continue to 
invest in the root, our culture, our people, our process, our relationships, if we want great fruit. Because I always so the two nuggets there is one, don't chase the money or don't chase the wins. Chase the things that make the money. Chase the things that make the wins. And a lot, a lot of times people, you know, they I just want to make a lot of money. No, you you, you want to do is do a lot of things that will make you money. And then remember what's important and who's important, right? Love that. I mean, how simple is that? Yeah, right? I love that. What's important, who's important. Simple. That, yeah, I yeah, mean, it, and it is so it is so simple. But what happens is we lose sight of the simple because we get so caught up in all the clutter. Yep. We get so caught up in all the numbers and the expectations of the outside world and what we need to realize is we don't create our success outside in. We create it inside out. That's how you create your success, your spirit, your passion, your joy, your purpose, your love. And you create from that within that creates your success outside. That's actually a big part of this new book, The Power of Positive Leadership. I love that. I can't wait. Um, I got to talk to you about the energy bus because okay. that book, everywhere I go, um, it, it's like because I think maybe because it's just like real, you know. You come home one day, your wife's like done with you. She's had enough of your attitude, <laughs> which we've all been down that road talking about. Remember who's important and what's important, right? And then you know it's nice, you know, your your accountability police called you on it, which is I always say, you know, that there's the one person who doesn't tiptoe around you. They tell you yeah. the way it is. A lot of times it's our wife, our mom, or that kind of thing. So tell me what happened there, and how's the energy bus? How do you even come about? Um, how did that book just become such a big success? So it's a real book, even though it's a fiction, you know, fiction book, it's a real book because it was based on me and my own personal struggles with negativity and adversity. And my wife literally gave me an ultimatum. So when I wrote about this character, George, he was based on me. People are always, <laughs> people, people are always surprised to hear that. I wrote that book in three and a half weeks. Wow. It was rejected by over 30 publishers. It was really magical how I wrote it. It was I would walk every day and pray, and the idea for the book just came to me, and then the story unfolded. I didn't have the ten rules. I had like three, and then the story just unfolded out of me. It was just crazy how it happened. Again, rejected by all these publishers. Finally, John Wiley and Sons agreed to take it on. Uh, no bookstore would carry the book, even when it was published, though. This was in 2007. I went on a 28-city tour, paid for it myself. I went from city to city, sharing the message in the book. We had five people in one city, ten people in another. Uh, the most people we had were 100 people in Des Moines, Iowa. They thought Jeff Gordon was coming. That's why they showed up. And, uh, it, you know, that's a true story, by the way. People really thought that. Uh -huh. And so I came home and didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew I gave everything I had. And, and then just, you know, one day at a time, just sharing the message. It wasn't about the outcome, like you said. It was about just investing in people, sharing this message of, Staying positive, overcoming the negativity, no energy vampires allowed, you know, drive with purpose, build this positive team. And sure enough, you know, team after team started to read it. Coaches started to read it. Mike Smith read it and used it in 2008 with the Falcons. Jack Del Rio used it in 2007. CEOs and leaders started to read it. But it didn't become a bestseller until 2000 and um, about 11. So it took about five or six years for it to become a bestseller really but you never yeah. hear that like where a book usually it's on a bestseller it's when it comes out of the gate yours had to mature and ripen huh it had yeah had to mature it had to get out there had a ripple and now it sells more now every week than it sold you know years ago so every year the sales continue to go up than the previous year which has just been unbelievable i can never anticipated it it's interesting to me as an author right that something i wrote in 2006 when i was about 
35 years old is now, you know, what most people know me for. And yet my newest book, Save the Carpenter, is probably better work. You know, it's probably better, I believe it's better writing. People say it's my best book. But the energy bus is what people know most. That's crazy. That's crazy. Well, if you could anticipate that, you'd be doing. You'd be in another industry, probably. <laughs> Get, uh, on getting people on board your bus. Talk to me a little bit about that, because I think it's the most important part of the book, frankly. Yeah, because you know you have to have a vision of where you want to go, but you have to invite people on. And basically, that's what I was doing. I was going from city to city, sharing the message, reaching out to people, saying, "Hey, I got this message. I want to share. I believe I can help." you with your team, I can make a difference. And it was just one person at a time that you have to be asking to get on your bus. Not everyone is gonna say yes. That's okay. Don't get upset when they don't get on. Maybe they're not meant to get on. Maybe there are other people meant to get on. But you have to just keep on moving forward, staying positive, working with grit, having a vision of where you want to go, and knowing that you're doing things the right way. So you continue to move forward. This is for any entrepreneur, any business, any any athlete, any coach. You just keep moving forward, but you must invite people on the bus to join you. And when they do, great. Then love them, encourage them, support them, make them want to stay on the bus, but don't get frustrated when people get off or when people don't get on. Are you a fan of kicking people off the bus? Well, one of the rules of the energy bus, right, is no energy vampires allowed. So (laughs) you don't want to let the energy vampires on the bus. And sometimes you do have to kick people off the bus. Now, in this new book, The Power of Positive Leadership, I wrote about – since the energy bus has been out, I've had so many people use the energy bus and say to their teams, you're either on my bus or you're off my bus. But that was never the intention. You first have to be the kind of leader that are loving your passengers. And if you're loving them, then guess what? They're going to want to stay on. But if you're not, then you know they might want to get off. But you have to make sure you're the, being the leader that you need to be. Now, if you are being the leader you need to be, but they're still negative, they're still an energy vampire, they're still sabotaging the team, yes, you have to confront the negativity is something I wrote about in this new book. You have to try to transform it. If you can't transform it, then you have to remove it. John, let me ask you a little bit about you know sports today. You know, sports today, it's what it used to be, but tell me some of the coaches you like. You know, you get a feeling that are, that are on your page or following some of your leadership rules. Sure. Tell me maybe a couple of teams that, well, we'll get to that maybe that aren't. But who do you yeah. like? Well, I love Dabo Sweeney, who just won a national championship. I've worked with Clemson for the past five years. So every year I would speak to Clemson and, and then also speak during the season before one of the you know big games. I'm so jealous them. right now. I got to tell you, hanging out in the locker room with the Falcons, and now you're hanging out with – but what was that like? What made him so special? I mean, was there anything uh, – Because you know what? And I wrote about him in this new book, The Power of Positive Leadership. I mean, I, he is incredible. He is one of the best leaders I've ever met, I've ever seen. And the more people that meet him say the same thing. Like, he is just incredible. Give me an he, example or two. I mean, give me okay. something. Yeah, give me something. I want to know. Because he seems like the kind of guy you always – you want to just hug. Yeah, he's that kind of guy, but he is very serious, very competitive, and he holds his team accountable. See, the keys are love and accountability. What he brings and what the best leaders bring are love and accountability. you got to love them up, but you got to hold them accountable to the process, to the culture, to the beliefs. In the... So, so when, he gets this, when he gets this job at Clemson, they bring him in to meet with the board of trustees, and the board of trustees said – we want to create a program that's like Florida, that's like Michigan, that's like them. 
And he said, sir, he said, I don't mean any disrespect, but that's not my vision at all. My vision is so much bigger. I want to create a program where they want to be like us. That's my vision. And so he had this big, bold vision. He asked his AD for a TV for his office to watch film. The AD said, we don't have the money in our budget right now. So he went out and bought his own TV. Clemson just built a $55 million facility with all the TVs that he wants. It's, the, it's, a, it's a testimony, a testament to one man's positive vision, his belief. When he gets the job, he walks into the locker room that first day with two signs. One sign said, believe. Another one said, I can't, with the T crossed out. And right then and there, he knew that he had instilled belief in his team because he knew they had talent, but they lacked belief. So he filled them with optimism and belief day in and day out. And then it became about being the best. Like Clemson is going to be the best. Best is the standard. So he had this very high expectation of what he believed they could achieve. And he surrounded himself with great coaches, great leaders, six and seven in 2010, right? Should have been fired or might have been fired, but he wasn't fired. The next season, 10 wins. And after that, more than 10 wins every season, yeah. and then two national championships, and then a win. And again, by being there, you know, I was on the field with the team. I was, you know, at the locker room. They're losing to Alabama. I'm in the locker room. And he said, guys, he said, we're going to win the game. I don't know how, but we're going to win the game. Hold on. You were at the championship game in the locker room? Yeah, and the championship game in the locker room. And that's what he said. We're going to win the game. And then I was in the locker room when they lost, though, to Alabama the year before. And this is what he said when we, when we lost. He said, guys, he goes, I am so proud of you. He said, I've never been more proud of a group of men than I am of you right now. He said, we just didn't make enough plays to beat a team as good as Alabama. You can't make the mistakes we made and beat a team that good. But guess what? You seniors, you left a legacy that's going to live on a long time here. And you underclassmen, get ready because we're coming back. And then literally for five minutes, he talked about the vision of what they were going to do, how they were going to do it, spring football, training camp. They just lost the national championship, and he was already thinking about what they were going to accomplish next. That was pretty he, cool. He gave you that access to even capture all this. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was – well, because, I mean, it's like – it's really like family. I mean, we're just – you know, this You're is, living you know, it. Yeah, it's, it's now family where, you know, we just have a phenomenal relationship. I just did an interview with him on – uh, you know, that's available. It's on a, it was on our Power Positive Summit. It was a 45-minute interview where, you know, just asked them a lot of questions. It got people to, to really be able to listen to the kind Hold of... Hold on. How do we get out. that? Because we haven't seen a lot of him interview-wise, so I think people that are listening may want to get that. How do we get that? I'll send it to you. Uh, well, it's right now it's a, it was at the Power Positive Summit, which is was okay. free for 10 days, but now it's closed. But I'll be able to... I'll get you a link. We're going to put right, it cool. up on Positive University. So give me another coach. Uh, give me give me somebody that maybe isn't getting it, that maybe is that you'd love to be able to work with if you had a few minutes to maybe get <laughs> that isn't getting it uh you know i, I never probably like start that. off here with our knickerbockers i would imagine uh, yeah um who is where that bus would be probably in some kind of traffic accident before the first exit right right oh, yeah you know, i really don't know who's not getting it and who is because it's so hard what i've yeah. learned is you really can't tell from the media like i just talked to john calipari a couple of you know uh hours ago and john calipari if you've watched the 30 for 30 he he is like a really great guy, and the media sometimes misrepresents the kind of leader he is. I mean, this guy is all about relationships. He yeah. loves his players, and that's why he's able to get them to come to Kentucky and build such a great yeah. team. He likes, I thought he the 30 loves. for 30 did him right. 
I, I thought so too. Actually, I just told him that. I said, you know, I thought, I thought it was incredible the way they represented him. I said, you are all about relationships, and I said that is something that is truly special. Well, so you just on a just on an afternoon, just wrapping out with Calipari. He's energy too, man. He's talking about extraordinary people. We were talking about at the beginning. He's got a lot of energy, and he's also willing for service. You know, that was another characteristic of extraordinary people, which was willing to serve. And uh, he always seems like he's been willing to serve and do whatever it takes and help young men get better, help young men get to the next level is a big thing. Is A lot of coaches talk about that, but then you don't see their players going to the next level. When I see a Coach K, you know, I see his, his, his men turn into, you know, adults and yep. into great pros in all walks of life. And that's why I really love Coach K. Um, and I'm beginning to kind of fall in love with Kyle Barry a little bit because I was a little, you know, he was nets. He had that downturn here and he had a little sour with the media. But when I see his players going to the NBA and sticking, and a lot of them are, yep. I give him credit for that because a lot of other uh, teams have had one-and-done players and the guys come and then they go. Exactly. And I, there are a lot of similarities between him and Dabo in terms of the kind of you know love they have for their players, but the way they also push them to be their best. And they both say this. This is what they both say. They both say, listen, if you think you're going to come here and start, I don't care what any any recruiter said, you have to earn it if you come here. Otherwise, don't come here if you think we're going to give you something. But we've got to tell you this, no one's going to love you like us, and we're going to invest in you and believe in you and support you and be there for you. And when you're 35, we want to still have a relationship with you. And that is a difference. you know. And anybody worth their salt is going to want to have to earn it to go there. I love that. I'm going to give you another nugget from our McKay Roundtable. If you leave growth to randomness, you're moving towards mediocrity. Mm, that's good. And how many that's people good. do that? I mean, just, yeah, yeah, I'm going to get there. Yeah, I'm going to, you know, once, once, you, once you don't have really. I mean, extraordinary people are constantly setting, resetting goals and creating a path, creating a strategy. But there's a lot of people that forget to kind of take the time to do that. Oh, yeah, and they don't, they're not intentional about what they want to create. Dabo Sweeney, just another thing on that, he has a book about 18 inches thick with every page that represents what their culture and what their program is all about. And every year before the season, for four full days, he goes through this book with his coaching staff. Even though they did it the year before, they do it again because he says you can't forget what made you who you are. You have to go back to the beginning, to the fundamentals, and go through everything and page by page of this 18-inch book, which takes four full days of a retreat. They do it. Um, any, other, any other favorite teams that you've had over the last five, ten years? It seems like you've worked with a bunch of them. Uh, is there another favorite team that you like? You know, recently, there's. I mean, I've been with some baseball teams like Clint Hurdle and the Pirates. I've really enjoyed being with Clint and his leadership and how he does things. And, you know, I think Andy Green is building something special in San Diego. I mean, it's going to take a little time, but he's he really is the right guy to build the culture there, so work with them. And Dave Roberts and the Dodgers, you know, Dave, I wrote about Dave in the Power Positive Leadership because the way he loves his players and invests in them and connects with them, I mean, you just saw the fruit of that last year. And just when I was in his office, you know, couple of his players came in to give him a big hug. <laughs> like I love it. You know, love I'm it. like, wow. And then, and then you go, this is a connected team. Like, this is really special. And so uh, I really love Dave Roberts. He's a, he's a, he's a real special guy as well. Yeah. The, the, you know, it's sometimes the good guys just get outweighed by some of the bad guys and, yep. uh, and you, in sports. And you know what's funny? When I was um, 
when I went there, when he asked me to speak, I had no idea who Dave Roberts was. So I'm in his office. I speak to the team. I left. I still didn't know who he was. So I Google him. I'm like, oh, that's Dave Roberts, the Boston Red Sox who beat my Yankees when exactly. I was you know, years ago. The guy who put Kevin Millar on the map. Right. And so then I realized that Stole was that Dave Roberts. Stole that base off Mariano. Son it of was a really funny. Yeah, because I, was a Yan- I grew up as a Yankee fan. I grew up in Long Island, New York. And so lo- you know, loved the Yankees. I'm like, oh, that was Dave. It was really funny. That's funny, man. So you're, you're bopping around. You're having fun. Life's good. I'm enjoying it. I'm thankful. You know, I never expected that I would work with these teams and these organizations like this. It's been, you know, a joy to do it, and I just I just love it. And, you know, it's, um, you know, I do love speaking to businesses, though. You know, that's something I love taking these principles because they're transferable. And I used to speak to a lot more businesses than sports. It wasn't sports. It was more businesses. But what I've seen ever since is working with business and sports, you see the similarities and the principles that uh, you can bring to both and what they're doing. Like, for instance, I just spoke to Dell recently, you know, about being a united, connected team. And it's the same principles because Dell was merging with EMC. And so as they're coming together, you know, how do you become one team? And so I shared that with the leadership. And when you share those principles and those stories from both, it really makes sense. I think also it's sometimes you just need to hear it in a different kind of tone and, and a different kind of way and a story. Because I think you know some of the stuff is just common sense. It's basic. It's obvious. But, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on between relationships between employees and management. And I think sometimes when you have a book like yours, it just kind of just sheds the light that needs to be shed at that time to bring the focus in. I think you're right. I, th- I think it's like, okay, let's get rid of the clutter. Let's just stay positive and work together, and we can become a great team. I mean, Michael Phelps, I, I, I don't know Michael, but I watched an interview with him and Bob Costas that I actually wrote about where they, Bob Costas asked about his leadership style, and he said they were ready to go to the Olympics, and there were a bunch of guys grumbling and complaining during training camp. And he said to the guys, look, guys, we're about to go to the Olympics. We have to do this. So if you have a negative comment or you're going to be all complaining, just keep it to yourself because the more positivity we have as a team, the better off we're going to be. He said the moment he said that, they became closer and closer as a team. They went to the Olympics and dominated. So it's just such a great example that like positivity is that, is that grit and that glue that bring a team together. And when you get rid of that negativity, you can accomplish so much more together. That's a big part of it. Yeah, you're right. Well, it's been great talking with you. I, I love spending time with you. We got to do a Yankee game. You know, it's a must. I can't wait. I'm fine. Uh, yeah, that would be. A, you know, I've I have yet to watch a game in the new stadium. Believe it or not. Uh, you'll love it. It, it. it lacks very, very little. There's not much they didn't do over there at that stadium. It's just phenomenal. Um, and you got to come hungry because the food there is just amazing. And uh, team's playing well this year, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fun that American League East, to say the least. Uh, John, keep up the good work. Uh, you win in the locker room first, the energy bus. Um, those are two musts, but you know, probably to keep up, keep up with you, you probably need to go to your website. Um, is, there, is there a website we go to on that? Sure, johngordon.com, just J-O-N, gordon.com. And that new book is out actually right now. It just came out this week on Monday, The Power of Positive Leadership. The Power of Positive Leadership, like on Amazon, or is that where to go? Yeah, it's on Amazon, Power of Positive Leadership. And I actually sent you one, Brandon, so you should have it. Cool. I like the no complaining rule, too. I haven't picked up on that one. That must have been an earlier book for you, or? That was in 2008 I wrote that, right after the energy bus. But it's, you know, it's really, um, 
it's it's a book that does really well. A lot of complaining is what you know is what a lot of organizations deal with complaining. It's actually yep. Mike Smith's favorite book that I wrote. Uh, you know, it's his favorite besides Energy Bus. Keep up the good work, man. I love you. Keep in touch, and we'll we'll catch up with you at uh, in New York City. We'll go to the Big Apple, Big Yankee game, and we'll enjoy that. All right, fired up, thanks, Greg. Good to be back.